Welcome to episode two of the Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. The Everyday Sniper. The Everyday. Mike from Mile High Shooting along with... Frank from Sniper Side. And we're out at the Pawnee Sportsman Center at the NOCO Precision Rifle Match. The NOCO Precision Rifle Match uh, has been going on for a little bit less than a year. Uh, Paul Dunphy from NOCO Shooting Sports asked myself and Adam to help him with a precision rifle match because they were already doing three gun stuff and they'd been kicking that off for a while I, I used to shoot that with them uh, until I got into this sport and I wanted to focus all my attention into this so he knew I was into it and he asked me uh, and Adam to to help him out so we got some really good input from Frank uh, here with me and then we also got some input from Brian Whalen from Colorado Precision Rifle which we'll be talking to him later on uh, he brought his JP224 Valkyrie up for me to shoot today, so I can give you guys a little bit of background on uh, what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, great stuff that. with the Valkyrie. We'll, we'll have a Valkyrie here to play with. It'll be awesome. So uh, we've been doing this match just a little bit, uh, just a little bit under a year, and we haven't changed the course of fire as of yet. Nobody's cleaned it. It is a challenging course. We've had people come out in zero stages small on targets. it. Yeah, very small targets. So uh, and the way that it's set up, a lot of the shooting that we're doing is into the area of the planes. So knowing your wind call is kind of crucial. Uh, you can see a lot of mirage, but once it kicks up to about 14 miles an hour, all that stuff goes away and it, it, it so really it just lays on, over. You need just, Mirage is better. If you guys are looking at mirage, under 12 miles an hour is best. Actually three to five is money with a mirage. Um, you start getting 10 to 12, it lays over. And then after 12, you can't tell a 12 from a 15. So that's one of the things, but it's a, um, blustery 10 degrees or so out here right now a huge turnout here's the thing with local matches man we got a huge turnout this morning it's 10 degrees it's you know it's clear but it's nice you know and so that's one of the things that we want to promote is talk about the local match like mike said he helped stand this match up and and mile high has put a lot of effort into this and you got to thank them for being sort of the banner sponsor but there's zero pressure on this local match. I use it as a test bed for me. Uh, last month when I shot it, or it was the month before, I think I was away last month. But the month before when I shot it, I shot it with a, a 223. You know, mm -hmm. and, and you get to play with stuff. So it's a great way to flush out your dope and equipment, these local matches. Adam and I primarily use it uh, not only just as a sponsor kind of thing. To, uh, when we originally developed it, we wanted we, we took the hunter, we took the shooter, we took the guy who just shoots on the weekend, the new guy has never shot outside of 300 yards, and we developed this match based around that. And we want to get these guys out here shooting. And if you know, you're know you showing up with just a Remington 700 SPS uh, with a Burris scope on it, we want you to test that equipment out just to see if we can, uh, just to see how it's going to perform so you understand the capabilities of, of your rifle system. And then you know what you need to put money into, basically. Yeah. Keep notes, check your stuff. I mean, this is where you learn your precision rifle match shooting is local matches like this. These are, the gr these are great if you put your effort into that. I mean, there's so many. We have a, a pretty good squad here today. Our squad is pretty seasoned, and there's three guys who have never shot this course before just in our squad, and we sort of cherry-picked our guys. There's uh, three squads of 12 people, and, um, you know, just a lot of them are new. And, and that's something that really helps out these guys to be able to do that. So it, it enables us to foster more teamwork amongst the squads and give them some pointers. 
uh, when we were doing a stage brief, I was kind of giving a few of the new shooters an idea of, you know, where to start shooting so that you can, you know, check your background and make sure that you're on target. But also it's swapping equipment with each other and, and helping each other out, giving each other wind calls and watching those spots so that they can gain more experience as they go along. So they feel more comfortable as a shooter when they go out on their own. The, the top guys are top because they have experience. This is one of those places you get experience is, is in a match like this. I mean, I come out and, and I enjoy it, man. I, I, I laugh. I, I have a good time. I don't worry about where I place. But as soon as I shoot the last round, I go home back to my house. I'm sleeping in my own bed. I'm not, you know, it's not anything crazy. You're not spending a ton of money. 40, 50 bucks, whatever it is to shoot the match that one day is not that big deal. It's two boxes of ammo, you know, and, and, you, and you go out there and you just learn so much. But I, I think it's great. We're going to be talking to people shooting the match. We'll talk to some seasoned guys. We'll talk to some new people. And, and we'll give you an idea of what's going on during the day today for the match. And then I'll edit this all down and, and just give you in a nice little seamless hour. But uh, definitely, uh, we appreciate everybody who listened uh, on our first one. Huge, huge support with our first uh, podcast. Yeah, and again, I keep putting it out there. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for, you know, the texts, the emails, the messages, the calls into Mile High Shooting. I've heard a lot of positive information. I honestly haven't heard a whole lot of negative stuff. Uh, if there is negative stuff, we take the good with the bad. Yeah, man. Please, please let us know. So this podcast is for you, the shooter. So let us know what we can do better for you. And if there's uh, other stuff that you want to hear or talk about, again, call in, shoot me an email, Mike at MileHighShooting.com. And, and Frank? Uh, Lowlight at SnipersHide.com. But uh, like I said, today's going to be great with the Valkyrie here. Uh, I think, and, and I'm going to put this out here because we got some time. I'm really looking at these matches now, and I'm going shorter and lighter. Uh, I, I, you know, you go to these even big national PRS matches, the average range is about 400 yards. Your money shots are between 400 and 600 yards. That's where you make up your points. And I find if I go lighter... If I go smaller, faster, I'm top 10. If I go a big heavy rifle and a, a caliber because, I, I, you know, everybody says you got to shoot, oh, 140s and heavies. And I saw some freaking guy wanting to put a, a 150 grain 6.5 in a 6.547. You know, a 6.547 is 50 feet slower than a 6.5 Creed in a 260. And then they want to put a 150 because they see the numbers. Nah, dude, go the other way. 120s, 123s. Um, you know, the 130 Prime has shown me how a light bullet fast that's accurate and consistent can really work out to distance. I'm shooting a 20-inch 260. Uh, I dropped the weight down to a 136. The 136 Cnar has about the same BC as a 140 Amax and things like that. So you're getting the same, but now I'm faster. I'm 2,800 feet per second. It's going to be not that much today because it's so damn cold. I'm probably at 27.50, but um, with a 136 out of a 20-inch gun. So now I got a small, light, maneuverable rifle that's not going to stress me out in a stage when I'm moving, and I'm going to get the hits because the average range is 400 yards, man. You know, don't, don't, don't sweat these big matches. Look at your equipment. Look at the technology out there and understand you can mix and match bullets. And that's where the Valkyrie, I mean, Brian's crowing about that Valkyrie. He really He's saying is. with that 90 grain bullet, 
uh, 22-inch rifle. He, he's getting, you know, and it's an AR-15 platform. This is a JP rifle that we're going to be shooting today. Uh, he actually, he put an MOA scope on it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of MOA, and I ha I've probably shot MOA maybe a handful of times. And uh, this is the first time that I've actually got my hands on this rifle. And uh, I haven't even pulled the trigger on it yet, but I'm really excited about it. And, and once we kind of get some data from it and some idea of, of how it's how it's working for us we're going to sit down and talk to uh talk to brian about that and and get some good info out to you guys because like frank was saying we don't have a whole lot of people who are who have it in their hands that are shooting it and we have a factory jp gun with some factory federal ammo yeah and he says federal's doing it right uh talked to him this morning about it he's really he's really talking up the federal ammo and saying that it's working it's working excellent and that's part of what, with the podcast and everything we're doing, is we want to not only delve into equipment, but to delve into the individual and the personality. Brian's a great guy. There's a whole bunch. We got uh, Austin Angus here, who makes all the targets you see in the videos. We got Dan Hanser from Hard Gear. Yeah, Dan's here. So uh, all kinds of great stuff happening, and we want to bring this to you. It's definitely going to be a good, a good show uh, for this out here, in on location. Pawnee National Grasslands or at Pawnee, the Pawnee Grass Sportsman Center. Yep, at the Pawnee Sportsman Center. At the NOCO Precision Rifle Shoot. And we're going to cut you guys off right now so we can get some shooting done and get you some info. We'll talk to you from the cold bore shot. See ya. All right, we're over at Area 3 Stage 2, the Dirt Mound. Mike's going to tell you what this stage entails. So we've already accomplished our, uh, our cold bore for this morning. We had a lot of good shots on the cold bore. The cold bore was approximately 324 yards, was it, Frank? Mm -hmm. 324. And now we have... On a little target. My reticle covered it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's smaller than the strap. So we got, on this stage, Area 3, Stage 2, we got a time limit of three minutes. We have nine rifle rounds and then one impact equals one point uh, no prone on the hill so this is a straight tripod stage and what we've seen everybody do so far we've had two or three shooters that have already gone up um, we've seen them at the top of the hill on the tripod in standing position you can go you can sit you can go kneeling uh, most people they're just leaving a tripod up there for the next guy so that he can just get up there so most guys are shooting standing up uh, you got one minute to get this stage set up for yourself and then uh, you're going to start at the bottom of the hill with the rifle in hand at the base of the mound the RO will start the time shooter proceeds up the mound and engages the targets in the following order so you have uh, targets ranging from 84 yards up to 279 yards and the uh, 84 is neat it's behind a tree and it's in the crook you have to be like in the perfect position for that 84 yarder correct and it there's no going around the side of it at this point. You can't no. go around the side of the tree. The mound is set up, and, and the tree is just—it was planted in the perfect spot. Uh, we just found a, a good shot for that uh, for that target to be back. So that's your 84-yard target, and then everything else is pretty much out in the open, uh, in the open field. And then there's a a good backstop uh, behind all of the targets and most of them are on the military crest so you can see exactly where your impact is going to be recorrect for that impact you get one shot on the 84 you get two shots on the 255 two shots on the 279 and then you move down the hill and there's a popper uh, a, a trio of poppers set up yeah 200 then the 75 yeah then 200 or at the poppers so you knock those three guys down and then you go back to 75 and, and shoot at a, at a swinging target yep no that sounds great we're getting everybody's all set up um, you know, the arm commanders are a big thing when you're doing multiple targets at multiple distances. Everybody's running tape or something. I use a post-it note, and I write it off of that page and then slap the post-it note on my arm commander, and it has the data put on it. 
but everybody's flushing out their data. It's only like a point two change here and there. This is these targets are tiny. They're six inches and smaller, mm -hmm. so it's the ranges don't seem long, but the targets are so small and we're standing up that you'll see a lot of people mess it up, and it's a good learning experience. It's it's a tough, challenging stage. Absolutely. Alrighty, we'll catch you at the next one. All right, we just finished with area three, and we're gonna talk about some of the lessons learned uh, immediately. That has the smallest targets on area three. I learned some stuff with my setup. I'm gonna be changing some things. So Mike's here, tell us what you learned with it. You were shooting the Valkyrie. Yeah, so coming into area three, uh, stage two is kind of where we left off. We, we, we were talking about the engagement of the stage. Uh, when when the stage was all done and after all the shooters had had finished, the biggest thing that I I saw was the engagement on the tripod, not locking the gun all the way into the tripod. Yeah. Um, how they were standing behind the tripod and, and when it was done, pulled them off to the side, talked about it a little bit, and didn't want to interrupt their shooting or anything like that because uh, they seemed to be on a roll. Some guys were hitting stuff and some guys were missing stuff. It's just the way it is down there. The uh, the wind is real switchy, especially with that backstop. Typically. Um, any it, it other, hits from behind us and then suits across. It does. And typically, we're, you know, for the last three, four months, has been a left to right wind instead of a behind us and then down to the right and yep. crossing over left. So it's it's real switchy down there. And, and what we're feeling on our backs is definitely not what's going on downrange. Um, and it definitely threw a few people for a loop, especially the, the guys who normally shoot out here. They're like, what is going on? Field uh, course. I mean, that's the nice thing is terrain and everything with a field course messes mm -hmm. the wind up. You don't have lanes and alleys um, cut into a square range. Right. So this field course, it's it's constantly changing, which is good. Absolutely. And I think the Valkyrie performed very well. Uh, when I'm on a tripod, I typically like to free recoil it. I didn't feel like I had to do that with this gun. I, I didn't want to influence it too much because it had a... Uh, um, the roller trigger. Yeah, it had the roller trigger one. Yep. Uh, it did. It was able to clip into a really right stuff uh, leveling base, which was nice. It's one of my favorite uses of a tripod when you're when you're shooting off of something, just because it has a low center of gravity. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a whole lot of play in it. So once you tighten it up and you're on target, you're good to go. The biggest thing that I recognize and that I see myself doing is putting too much cheek on the gun when I'm when I'm trying to settle into it, because normally I got a very very low and hard cheek weld. Okay. So um, when I'm shooting off of a tripod, I try to keep my head off the gun as much as possible, but I still follow the reticle. And with... tripods are key because uh, section three over there is almost all tripod. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that you can learn so much on how to manipulate your tripod under match conditions. Because that's the hardest thing is to work the time in and to move your tripod around and manipulate. Sorry, had a little redneck exhaust. We had to move out of the way. Um, so, yeah, we're saying tripods that you have to, um, it, it allows you to work a tripod in not an admin situation, but in a competition situation where um, the, the you're on the clock, running. but it's not as short amount your, of time as a PRS match. Your heart rate is up. You're, right. All, all the elements are there, and the targets are tiny. You, you know, we're three, four hundred yards, for, or uh, two, three hundred yards, but they're only like three, four inch targets. Right. And the straps are bigger. So coming off of the hill with the tripod, because we actually moved the tripod down to another set of targets. So this was new for this year. Mm -hmm. um, coming off of that hill, 
the extension on the front of your tripod is a lot longer than the rear legs. So getting it down the hill and resetting it back to height so you yes. can actually see the targets that were out in the grass. And these, these targets were really low, they were poppers. So actually shooting through the grass, you know there's gonna be some type of play on the bullet, but I don't feel like it was far enough where it was gonna throw it off you know, way too much. Correct. And Go ahead. Yeah, so those targets uh, were hitting in the grass really well. They were they were tall. I had to be up. I couldn't kneel. It was too low for me. I had to go up higher. Mm -hmm. Some guys got away with kneeling, and um, they were able to hit the targets. It was too low for me to kneel. I had to stand up. My my strategy was just going from a standing position on top of the hill and yeah. just taking that that tripod down and staying in that standing position. My my negative on that stage, I used that little tiny really right stuff, the uh, fourteen, mm -hmm. which is their smallest. Real skinny legs. The skinny legs. It was too flexy and bouncy. Oh. You needed the twenty three or the thirty three. Everybody was using a Faisal or 33 mm -hmm. which is a nice thickness for out here because you know the wind moves you around a little bit that 14 was just way too tiny I was being lazy and trying not to carry a heavy tripod sure and then the other negative I saw um, my Schmidt and Bender's a 3 to 12 I'm running and it's got a p4 reticle it was covering those targets I oh, yeah, couldn't res uh, resolve those targets well and so I'm gonna switch scopes when I get home after this I'm gonna take that 3 to 12 off and I'm gonna put a different scope on what are you gonna use that 3 to 12 for I'll put it back on the covert. It okay. was on my AI oh, covert. Go. Yeah, I'm gonna put it back on the covert. Perfect. Um, with I, I think that the Valkyrie performed really well. It cut through the wind really fast, and there was just minimal recoil. And like I said, I like the free recoil, but I felt comfortable getting actually onto the buttstock. And, and you're at uh, an it wasn't AR moving. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. going anywhere. So it was a real light push on your shoulder. It wasn't a snap. So it wasn't a snap. It was just a, it was a real comfortable light push, just like you're shooting a two two three. Well, it is. It's a it's an AR fifteen platform. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great. I'm telling you, that's where this needs to go in the direction. If you're out there listening, you want two two threes. You want eighty grainers going twenty nine hundred. You want the Valkyrie, the ninety grainers up there. You mm -hmm. want stuff like that. Light heavy bullets going fast, and that's how you win with a light rifle. Uh, a 10-pound rifle, I do 10 times better than having a 17-pound rifle. Right. Uh, it, it's easily 20 slots on the board going uh, weight with the rifle that way. So, well, we're, we're playing around. We're learning. We're having fun. I'm, I'm just – we're screwing around. I didn't even shoot all the targets over there. I shot some of them, and, and, and it's just fun. At, this the is, end of, uh, at the end of that stage, I was able to uh, go back and actually – uh, get with with Brian from Colorado Precision Rifle and just get like a little slinged up class on the tripod and uh, See how his sling was working and we'll talk more about that later But it worked really well and it solidified everything that you're already doing on a tripod But just it, it felt like it was making it more solid his sling is nice. The, the, it's a little one inch It's a good one it, it, it does what it has to without being too much in the way and we'll grab Brian over here and talk to him in a minute uh, moving into that last stage over there is a pistol course. You get 10 shots and then you move with your rifle over to a piece of terrain. It's it's basically just a, uh, a busted down tree that we're shooting off of. And uh, the height on it, you definitely have to get at least on one knee for Frank. He's got a... I'm up a little. Yeah, I, I did really well on that stage. It's a dueling tree at 230 rounds, uh, yards rather, um, 230 yards. And it's a, I did pretty well on all of it. So Yeah, absolutely. And... The, the key there, I think, was just getting a bag into the crook of that tree and letting the rifle balance itself. Yes. And, um, you know, you're not obviously you're not clipped in like you would be with a tripod. You don't need the rear support that you think you need. You can actually just ride that gun and, and let it drive itself. The, I didn't run with a bag in the tree. In the last two rounds on the popper, it recoiled and popped and went above the popper. Okay. The first one hit the popper, and my last two rounds 
and I felt that it was an odd recoil. I must have moved my body, but you could see it. It bounced up a little bit, and it went right over the top of the last two poppers, but I hit everything else moving up towards it. it um, I only dropped those last two. Right on. So. Well, moving into yeah. uh, area one, now we've already rotated. We got a cold bore coming up, and we got a thousand yard shot. Not a cold uh, bore, but we have a single shot. Yeah, a single up. shot single shot and then rolling into a thousand yard shoot and then also we got a 400 yard barricade that we got to work off of and this is going to be a right hand on the right side a left hand on the left side yeah so ultimate. guys running gas guns uh, we're going to have to you know uh, put it on safe get it off extract it from the barricade re-engage and put it back on fire and engage and then the guys with the bolt guns are just going to lift up, their bolts and then move so uh it's it'll be fast for both but it'll be it'll be a good challenge because there's a lot of different heights here yeah nice it's gonna be good stuff all right mike and frank with the everyday sniper uh got a chance to sit with brian whalen from colorado precision rifle um really good guy really smart on the gun really i, I call him up probably about two or three times a week to try to figure out what's going on with certain it's technical really data. just because he misses me <laughs> <laughs> tell us about yourself brian Invisible kind of guy. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Grew up shooting competitively. Uh, was in the army for about 13 years. Uh, went uh, to selection for special forces in I think 04, and then uh, 2010 uh, was doing a sniper instructor thing down there in Tenth Group for about three years, and then uh, I've been teaching for myself for uh, for Thunderbee suppressors and for JP uh, since. So well for JP for about the last two three years and. Thunderbee started while I was down at the sniper attachment, you know, kind of on the side sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. And everybody out there, if you thought my voice was soothing, I call him to calm down. When I get worked I, up about something, I'm like, Brian, I need you to calm me down. I listen to lots of jazz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> jazz. jazz fusion. Yeah. So tell us about this T24 Valkyrie that we're shooting today. It's pretty awesome. It's uh, all the ballistics of a large frame gun in a small frame AR, so you can take your uh, your regular 223 AR gas gun and and stick a JP 224 Valkyrie in it and uh, get a nice detent gas block in there. Control the recoil, mitigate the gas down just where it wants to be. I stuck a five inch Thunderbeast Ultra 30. Which cal actually sounds really good. I was it's, actually surprised. I like the five inch. There's people that hate them. <laughs> right. I love the five inch, man. I do too. When we Especially shot it, I, maybe it was like. When we shot it, we kind of shot it indoors just to kind of check it out, you know, shot mm -hmm. it into the bullet trap. Yep. And I was like, holy crap, this thing is an overpriced muzzle brake. But actually having it on a, a, a 223 or 224 makes a lot of sense for me because mm -hmm. now it's shorter, but it's still quiet enough uh, where you don't need hearing protection. Yeah. And and that being said, like for anything over a, a 223 type case capacity, it's probably like I put it on the first time being like, eh, I wonder how this is going to go because I'd had it on some longer barrel 223 bolt guns before. Mm -hmm. But um, and the nice thing with the, the five inch ultra as well, the 30 cal one for the for the gas guns is that, you know, with a gas gun, you're always fighting the suppressor, pushing a lot of gas back in the gun with a five inch 30 cal can. It uh, it's really pushing a lot less back into the gun than I think it is with a longer can. But you're getting enough sound mitigation at this point. It's probably the gun is probably as loud, you know, when the. The bolt breaks through the bolt carrier. Mm -hmm. That gas being released is probably, I'm yeah. guessing, as loud as the... Uh, I've been with Ray. It meters about the same. Yeah. It's pretty darn close when you're on that side of it and all yeah. that. So, yeah. But it's more than quiet enough to shoot. Out here. Yeah, you out here, Because yeah. the, the air is taking it, so it yeah. doesn't matter when we're in this context. I, I agree with you. I think it's a great little uh, can. Yeah. I think it's a smart choice. Uh, they're... 
it's stubby. a lot. Yeah, it's stubby, so it's shorter. A lot mm-hmm. of guys are going for something that's shorter. Uh, it costs less than your sevens and your nines mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's there an was excellent, a Hunter in excellent choice. Put one on a three hundred Norma, a proof, but it's just a short. He only shoots like sixty rounds a year. He told right. me. But he has a 20-inch 300 Norma. He has the 5-inch can on it, and it's his bush gun. Uh-huh. And he takes it through the the, the thick brush, underbrush, yep. and it, it doesn't get in the way. And it works for him for the one shot. One and shot, yeah. Get an elk or a caribou mm-hmm. or whatever. So, yeah, for you know, for a sidetrack of suppressors, I agree. I'm, I'm a 5-inch I'm a fan for some of these little rifles that we're shooting. Yep, absolutely. And that's what that 5-inch can was initially designed for. Just yeah. take enough of that pop-out for, for hunting. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to wear it your pro. Which is nice because then you had a lot more situational awareness. Sure. Yeah. Now, so uh, kind of got off the beaten path on that though. Valkyrie, I want to hear yep. some about the ballistics of the Valkyrie. What are you seeing? Because um, you're shooting out here with us in the, um, a lot of the same conditions and everything, mm-hmm. and you're shooting farther with you, you know, Blue Steel Ranch and the different places you train at, uh, Douglas and, and, and like that. What are you seeing ballistically with that Valkyrie out beyond five, six hundred yards? Uh, beyond five, six hundred, it's still holding together really well. Um, factory ammo is really good. Federal really nailed the uh, the ammo. Um, they're shooting the 90 grain uh, Sierra Match King, which is a great bullet. They shoot really well. It's a bullet that jumps really well. So as you start getting throat erosion, especially in a gas gun where you can't chase the lands the same way you can as a bolt gun, you're gonna have a lot more forgiveness with that bullet. Um, it's got a great BC, but it's 90 grain, so the recoil on it is nominal. Um, I've got the 20 inch barrel, so mine are going around 2650. Um, I'm guessing with the 22-inch barrel that JP's uh, coming out with, um, we're going to be seeing up over 2,700. So really, um, why buy a 308 anymore? I mean, yeah, you know, especially yeah, there's a ton of ton more options yeah. out there now. And you know, guys who've wanted to shoot 223 have been limited to 77 grain ammo, mm-hmm. which is great ammo, but it doesn't it doesn't pack that BC that breaks into the fours. And in the case of the 90, you know, low to mid fives. So to be able to get, you know. A mid fives, B, you know, G one BC, or you know, uh, high two. So it's it's. Uh, I want to say it's like a two eighty. Don't quote me on this, but like a two eighty nine or two eighty seven, G seven uh, G seven BC. Um, Which you're two forty three for three oh eight. Yeah. You know, so you're you're over that. Yeah. So. So yeah, and you know the the factory ammo, the extreme spreads on all this stuff that I've chronographed so far so far, has been really low. Which, you know, the combination of a gas gun and factory ammo having a low extreme spread, that's historically been an oxymoron. You just don't get factory ammo out of gas guns with low extreme spreads. Um, the extreme spreads, I'm not talking, you know, SDs, I'm talking ESs. Mm-hmm. Um, the ESs have been uh, high teens and low 20s. Nice. Very which nice. is phenomenal. So you tie that BC with that velocity together and, um, you know, you're still shooting well sub MOA, you know, probably around half minute of angle elevation wise out at uh, at a thousand with it nice so to get that kind of a ballistic performance out of not only a two tw- a 224 caliber but something that you can stick in a gas gun mm-hmm. is just insane we had a class um uh for john paul down at the blue, uh, blue steel ranch maybe i think it was the beginning of december we had uh, nine stunt actors and armors um you know from the film industry and one of them was a uh, female uh, stunt actor who was about 90 pounds and she drug the the rifle around for three days because it's so light, you know, relatively speaking to what we're used to for a big company. I was actually yeah. talking to Frank about that. that's a lot of terrain down there, movement, things like that. Absolutely. So when guys, we're not talking square range at Blue Steel. We're talking... It's o- field shooting. Field shield yeah. sh- shooting. 
Yep. So that's that's something to consider when he says this woman's taking this rifle out and, and moving with it. This is where competition dynamics holds their adventure challenges. Some of them, yep. the, or the uh, the loose, loose st- the what is steel, it? steel safari. Challenge? Steel safari. Yep, I'm a team challenge. Um, so that kind of stuff, it, which is yeah. a movement matches, you know. Yeah. And and here you are with with a eight pound rifle that you can manage and still get the effects of a fifteen pound. Yep. Right, and we're not even eliminating that to that that female crowd now we're talking about the younger Me? shooters yeah yeah the, yeah, shooters. the, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the shorter shooters mm-hmm. not not a and, whole lot of muscle mass you know i'm getting older i don't like i do it i'm a green beret i can do it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that the 27 pound gun doesn't have to be 27 pounds anymore right you know yeah and you know you put a good optic on it you know like so yeah you have it, a good optic so you're running a schmidt uh tell us a little bit more about your your setup on that 224 so that we can get an idea of how we want to set them up. Um, so, yeah, I think the 525 caliber or uh, power range is uh, is right. Um, gives you enough um, uh, magnification where you can zoom in and see detail in the grass or something like that. So, hey, I can see that the grass is leaning over, but is it twitching from right to left or left to right? You can zoom in enough. You can zoom in on the other stuff to try and see mirage or other little details that you're looking for. But then you can zoom it back to that 15 to 20 power range to do most of your other shooting in. Um, I'm actually uh, going to be putting a Night Force uh, attacker on that here pretty shortly. It, what what uh, reticle? Tremor 3. Uh, of course. I was yeah. just about to say <laughs> this rifle would be ultimate if we could get a Tremor 3 on it yep. and and just run that thing into the ground. Yep. Yeah, it's going to 5 to 25 attacker with the first focal plane and Tremor 3 in it. Okay. That's, yeah. that's what I would do. I was going to actually it's gonna ask that. It's going to be awesome. Um, what trigger are we running in this? So that is top to bottom a JP rifle. Um, we've got, uh, in the front, we've got the detent gas block, um, which is really nice because you can figure out what your gas settings are, especially, hey, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm not allowed to take my can or I don't want to take my can because I'm just worried about, like, you know. Rules. Rules, whatever. Okay. Like, hey, I might have to do a layover in New Jersey. Um, you know, the communists back there, I mean, uh, um, hey, I came from there, so I yeah. can say it. <laughs> but uh, no, so don't call uh, it a shithole. <laughs> actually, it's a gorgeous state. Once you get out, you know, out of Newark. Newark. Yeah, <laughs> I went to college there for a couple of years. Um, they tell me, but uh, the detent gas block's great because you can, you know, like I've got it written down. Like, hey, it's seven clicks off of closed. So if I take the muzzle brake off, you know, I know how much gas to go back to and from with the suppressor. Is that detent from the side or from the front? It's from the side. Okay. So you don't need that big, long Allen key anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, like with these gas blocks, for anybody's gas block, if it's adjustable, you want to run that thing in all the way and bring it back out like every couple hundred rounds because you don't want those parts to seize in there. Now, that being said, I've run that one at least 500 rounds now since I've touched the gas. Um, and I just checked it back there, and the, the thing still moves. Mm-hmm. No problem. So they're doing really well with that. So I think the, the detent gas block is a must. Um, I think really in order to, to harness the whole chi of the, of the round, you want to go with the 22-inch barrel. Mine's a 22, or a 20, but that was what was available when I got mine. We have some um, on order from JP as well at mm-hmm. Mile High Shooting. I got I'm grabbing two, one. I yeah. talked to JP. I'm going to talk to him at Shot more, but I talked to him last week, sending mm-hmm. back that 6.5 Creed that I was shooting. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in that 224, yeah. and, yeah. and I'm going to go with JP and, and do the whole thing. I'm, yeah. I'm with as soon you. as the the, the, the back of, yep. you know the back order list is cleared, I think we'll have four rifles available to the public yep. uh, to get those out there too. We got we got them coming in FDE and black, and uh, mm. we've we've been 
we've been looking at the stats and we've been talking to a few people, which is why we jumped on it as quick as we could yep. before SHOT Show came up. Um, so uh, we're really excited about those getting in. They should be in here within a within a few months. I know I got a, the first initial shipment should be here probably within the next month or so. But. Yeah. Before we let uh, Brian go, too, I want to talk because Brian's a great local resource. I mean, he's an instructor. He knows what's going on. He's out there shooting all the time, and he's here local to Colorado. And, and you guys out there listening have local resources you should tap. And just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the classes and what you see. Because, I, I mean, you're teaching people all over. Mm-hmm. You're traveling, doing sort of similar path of what, what I do in a lot of ways. And, you know, just some of that lesson learned in classes of what you think people out there should take away from or take to when they come mm-hmm. to a class. Well, you know, we teach classes uh, Wyoming, New Mexico, and here in Colorado, actually right here at Pawnee. And you're based out of the Springs. I'm based out of the Springs, yeah. Um, gone all the time, but based out of the springs. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and very similar to Frank, um, I have both the military, military competition, the real world sniper stuff, as well as the competition side to sort of revert back to. Um, so I think having both those backgrounds kind of diversifies. So for example, like, you know, student base for me is, you know, we'll do classes for Steiner Burris and for Denver SWAT. I did a class earlier this year for, or actually 17 for 10th group. So, there's really not a student base that we're not applicable to. Um, one of the bigger things that uh, we've really been been sort of harping on our potential students for is getting guys in the right class. Um, we've broken it down. There's so much more. I don't know if you've seen this too, Frank. There is so much more stuff to teach these days than yes. there was five years ago. Big time. We've broken it down into three classes. Um, you know, there's the cerebral part of the learning, and then there's the muscle memory part. Um, and it's good to separate it into levels because then you can take that both the cerebral and the muscle memory home, train them, and then come back to the next class ready to, to take on the new knowledge, having had, you know, much better yes, chance grasp. of mastery. Yep. You're able to process it. Yeah, The exactly. information. You're flooded so much when you come to these classes. Yep. And, and so breaking it up in steps is a good way to do it. I do some smaller, short classes rather than do the big, long ones. Mm-hmm. And some people like those six, seven-day classes. I, for the people I deal with a lot, and probably you deal with not mm-hmm. on the military or law enforcement, but civilian, three days is about their limit. Three days is max. Yeah. yeah. At the end of a three-day class, they're guys smoked. are burnt. Yeah. And it's, it's not that they're not having fun. They're just burnt. Right. And yeah, you're not right. learning anymore after that. Yeah. So to, to step back from a class and to come at it again, we do it up in Alaska as well, and down here we'll do mm-hmm. it where there'll be a PR1 and then a PR2 after. And, and it's it's... Similar, but it's different. You start getting Absolutely. them off their belly. You start having yep. them use the reticles and, and doing things like that. But you got to have those fundamentals and those mm-hmm. basic first. And, and I like you, what you're saying is breaking it up into yeah. three individuals because there's a ton of data. And part of it, depending on the level of shooter coming in, is just getting the muscle memory behind them for the basic stuff. And then you get into the level two stuff and you're getting them off their belly. You're starting to work on the efficiency stuff. Yep. Like, hey, I know you can shoot one target in a minute. Now we're going to have you shooting you know, six targets in two minutes. Right. The efficiency of that. So um, another big thing that, um, once again, I'm guessing you've probably seen this too, Frank, Um, guys that don't want to come to a class because they don't have a gun yet. It's like, you know what? Actually, I would rather that because you show up to a class, I've got a gun that's set up properly, i got a good optic on it, and you can see what it is that you want ahead of time instead of going out and spending like, you know, $7,000 we're struggling to, to, to put together a gun that at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always let people yeah. rent or use a gun and get something that they can 
I mean, oh, speaking, we'll talk about it later. But guys, we have a guys w- switching bolts in their AI in this in this competition. Yeah, did you watch They're that over on the bolts. on the mound? Yeah. <laughs> so um, a couple of our customers down down south uh, picked up a couple of AIs uh-huh. and. One of them sent their bolt in to get bushed. He didn't get the small firing penny. He has the big one. Okay. So he he sent his in. So his buddy that shoots with him mm-hmm. shoots the same you know same cal. Well, they don't. They're not shooting the same caliber. One's a six five forty seven. The other one's a six five. Yeah. Okay. So six five Creedmoor and six five forty seven, and um, one of them has a small firing pin. Small so firing pin. so he sent his bolt off right. Uh, not the guy with the, the large fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so they're just swapping back and forth the bolt. <laughs> And everything is headspace. That's everything the beauty is, of a local match, perfect. guys. Yeah. This, these guys are. He, his bolt is being worked on, and they're sharing a bolt. So he's not letting that keep him home. It's not an excuse. He's learning something. He's out here doing it, and all they're doing is handing the bolt back. You know. So it's exactly what Brian yeah. just said. If you don't have it, or something's not right, that's not an excuse not to do it. Go ask the instructor. Hey, can I rent a rifle? Yep. And they usually have one you can rent, and you just have to buy your own ammo and take the class. And then you can look at what everybody has and go back and make a buying decision that way. Buy it right the first time instead of piecemealing something that may not be correct. Mm -hmm. So while local matches work that way and what we're learning here today, what Brian says exactly with training is the same. Go there and learn even if you don't have it. Yep. And, you know, like come to a CP rifle class and, you know, well, hey, I want to try out this gun, but I also want to try out that gun. You know, or go, you know, go to a Frank class. Well, I'm sure Frank's got a safe full of guns. Like, you want to try something, he'll bring, you know, yeah, a box a box of ammo. Like, we damn near have an unlimited resource. Yeah, yeah Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I oh, and, and you know, I do classes with people where I'll mimic their setup. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had guys come with AIs and stuff, and I'll mimic their setup, and yep. they'll have a 308. And it's like, why did you get a 308, dude? You got a brand new AI. Oh, 308, you know, yeah. zombie apocalypse, and I'll be able to find 308, 6.5's not on the shelf. And they'll struggle at this, like, one target or something, and then I'll go in, I'll pull a barrel out of the back of my car, swap it right there on the line, give it to them, and within two shots, they hit the target. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, 6.5, dude, that's, look, you, yeah. ju- you couldn't hit it this way, and you hit it with your second round that way. Yep. And so I, I absolutely, I bring stuff that people yeah. are asking to see. If oh, I had had Go ahead. If I had had a, a, a rack of 223 bolt guns um, and now with the Valkyrie same thing. If I had had a rack of 223 bolt guns and Valkyries through all the classes that I I, pro- I bet you I could have sold 20 or 30 of them so far. Yeah. 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 It's it's it, it's key guys. I mean it's it's something to think about how, how to attack. I mean precision rifles expensive. Mm-hmm. You don't want to waste your money. So there's ways to do this that will help you make better buying decisions. Classes are one of them. Local competitions yep. are another. Another thing that I like to tell students, too, um, I'll have a student come to me like, hey, you know, $900 or $1,000 are really expensive for, for training. I was like, yeah, you know, absolutely. For me, that's a lot of money. It's an investment. But here's the thing. in I'm like the building code. Everything that I know is based on a failure, whether it's been my own or students, right? Um, and I used to love the trouble, like the the hard to get pass through sniper school mm-hmm. students. Those were those were my pets, because you know I wanted to learn from them and I wanted to get them through the courses. Those are my brethren. You know I wanted those guys out there with the ability to to put rounds down range. So, but really, what we're bringing to the table with that is we're going to basically bypass six years of the mistakes 
and you know, God only knows how many thousands and thousands of dollars of ammo in a three-day class. Yeah. You know, like you'd be amazed how many guys show up to a class and really, you know, the length of pull versus the size of the guy, their scope is way too far forward or backward. Parallax, they they don't understand it. Yeah, uh, just where they've got their cheek piece. I mean, I've seen students like, well, I've got this, you know, 300 wind mag and, you know, it's supposed to shoot like half minute of angle and they're shooting like inch and a half groups with it. It's like, all right, well, let's start taking some cases and taping them together and putting them on top of your stock. And the next thing you know, they've pulled the thing back down to a half or a three-quarter inch group, which mm-hmm. is just just by taping, you know, 50 cents with a brass to the top of the rifle stock. I, I mean, years ago, and, and, and it still sticks in my mind, we had a, a police department, and he was at a class, and, you know, it was started Monday, and on Wednesday, he found out so many problems. His scope was broke, all these oh, different yeah. things that were going on. And he's like, well, gee, I've been training, and I do this and do that, and i never seen this happen. And I said, how long would it take you to shoot this number of yeah. rounds that you've shot two up until today? And he looked at it, and he goes, nine months. Yeah. So he never sees it because it took him nine months to shoot the same amount of rounds he just shot in three days. Yep. And, and that's always stuck with me. And along the lines of that as well, um, so, okay, we go down to the Blue Steel Ranch. You're coming down for you know whatever level of course it is along the same lines of, of the number of rounds, but it would take you as an individual a month to set up that much steel. Yes. Whereas you come down for a class it's and there. it's, it's there. there. Like, okay, you just shot that, cool, let's move on to the next one. Um, you know, like you come here to Pawnee and, you know, you can learn the wind on the back range, on the thousand yard range. You know, within an hour, a guy that's switched on is going to have it pretty well figured out, everything that's going on down there. Well, you know, one of the things about some of the different venues is I can say, okay, Walk 50 yards up the road, turn left. Now you're shooting the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. We're, we're shooting at these pieing angles. Um, and the ability to to constantly change up, stuff up with some of the different venues. And even like, hey, you know, go to one class at one venue, another class at another venue. And what that's doing is that's building a good, solid, mature shooter who hasn't mastered, you know, one scenario. They've mastered how to troubleshoot the different yeah, scenarios. Build your personal database. Exactly. Yep. yep. So that that's what it is. It's tools in the toolbox, but you're also building a database of information and resources. Sure. Why I, I press to, to write stuff down so much. I mean, heck, I'm not even really shooting this match like I should be. I'm, I'm learning stuff. I'm still writing things down. I have my clipboard here. Yep. I'm writing all my dope that I've shot. I, I, and we're like, giving hey, you guys an after actions on yeah. almost <laughs> every piece. I, I have my Kestrel <laughs> around my neck, and I was kind of saying some stuff with applied ballistics, and he's like, are you running? I'm like, I'm running both. I'm running my cold bore in my pocket and applied ballistics around my neck. And it's like, why? Well, I'm comparing. At the two 300-yard target, it's not a big deal. But at these eight, nine, a thousand, we're just getting ready to shoot. I want to see the difference. Mm-hmm. I want to see what one says versus the other. I don't just take one and say, well, I don't like that. Well, have you used it? No, I never used yep. it. But uh, I heard so-and-so complain about it. Well, guess what, guys? I got both of them in my hand right now. Yep. And that's and that's what And I that's do. one of the things that, like, when you start talking about institutional training, whether it's military or civilian, um, you know, like civilian law enforcement or military, you mm-hmm. know, and, the, and the, I've seen the military getting better about it because there's a little bit more freedom that's going on now. But it used to be, like, you got what was in the sniper manual, yep. and that was it. Whereas, you know, when you get guys who have the sniper stuff, like Frank, um, and then the civilian stuff as well, you bring a much broader base of information in together yes. to tie it all together. All so, good stuff, man. Yeah. D- definitely. Brian Whalen. Brian Whalen, he's on it. Well, I'm so glad we're here. Colorado Precision Rifle. Thanks, guys. <laughs> How do we get a hold of you? Uh, either email, 
Brian at Colorado Precision or Brian at CPRifle.com. Um, so B R I A N at CPRifle.com. Uh, or phone number is 910-257-0848. Uh, believe it or not, I spend my life uh, answering the phone except when I'm in classes. Um, if you guys have a hard time getting in touch with us, just keep after me. I'm uh, I'm a one-man show, so it's uh, it's hard to keep up. Brian's a knowledgeable guy. He's an excellent resource and an even better friend. Thanks for yeah, no taking the time with Thank us. Thank you, guys. Yeah, appreciate uh, it. That was great, dude. Thank you. Um, can I... All right, Brian's going to talk about the parts listed of Valkyrie if somebody wants to know what goes into his rifle. So, Brian, go ahead. Tell us what's inside the rifle. Okay, so um, to start on the front, we kind of went over this a little bit earlier, but um, I threw a 5-inch uh, Thunderbeast Ultra uh, 30 cal cannon. Reason being, um, it's short, keeps the length short. It also gives very little back pressure relative to, let's say I put a 7-inch 223 can on it, getting a lot more gas back in there, so... Um, I wanted to put the five-inch can, so I was working the system as little as possible, and also getting as little carbon flowback as possible. Um, next, we went with the the JP D10 gas block. I mean, the the rifle is complete JP from top to bottom. But mm-hmm. um, as far as individual parts that I I picked out for what I wanted in the upper, um, we went with the D10 gas block so that we we that way we can easily uh, refer back to what our gas setting was. Um, I think to really for long range game to maximize our uh, our velocity, we're going to uh, go with the 22 inch barrel. The medium contour is more than uh, more than heavy enough. My gun is really, if I'm doing my part right, quarter to three eight minute gun with factory ammo. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. Um, I did go with the variable mass bolt carrier in it. Um, it is actually more recoil, Mike, than the uh, than their light bolt. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, bolt. we talked about that a little yeah. bit. Um, but I feel like it slows down the, the operating system a little bit to give the bullet. And don't quote me on this because I could be completely wrong, but it seems like it gives a bullet a little bit more time to get out of the barrel because mm-hmm. that low-mass bolt carrier is fast. So um, it also helps with reliability. John had given me a... Uh, I had shot my 308 till it stopped running, and I'm not a big gun cleaning guy. Um, I said, no, 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 don't clean it, Brian. Like, I got something for you. I'm like, what do you got for me that replaces cleaning it and he hands me this variable mass bolt carrier i stick it in the rifle i lay down and i start shooting again and to be honest with you i don't think that i've cleaned that rifle yet uh since then really yet because i hadn't cleaned it before that so we're talking four classes after the gun had stopped running because the carbon had settled in so much so i think the the variable mass bolt carrier really makes a big deal a big difference um heat sink the heat sink is supposed to Increase the surface area for that portion of the barrel by about. I think it works. It does. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. After all, Brian and I on the side. I I'm a fan of that heat sink. Yeah. It increases the surface area by about from what Matt was telling about 720 or 740 percent, and it's over the hottest part of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yet to see that barrel, the Valkyrie barrel, where you know between the heat sink and the suppressor, I can't touch the barrel. Um, same thing with the 223s. It also. I was kind of skeptical of this at first, but all my JP guns have been insanely accurate. My students have showed up with insanely accurate rifles. It does seem to add to the rigidity of the barrel. JP also puts the mass out on the end of the barrel, which reduces that harmonic, you know, the frequency. So, And that's um, the part between the barrel and the handguard that you guys were pointing out earlier, where it yes, had that space fins, between yeah, where, the yep. cha- where the chamber and that... It's a radiator. The, yep, basically. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I think the, the heat sink is, is well worth... Well worth putting on there, and I think it's only like an eighty-something dollar add to a build. But it's as far as it's being able it. to shoot the gun a lot. There's nothing worse than like 
being at an awesome venue and like, well, I can't shoot because I got to wait for my gun to cool down. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but JP is getting insane numbers of rounds through the barrels. Part of the reason I believe is because they got the heat sink on there. Heat kills. Yes. The fastest killer for a barrel is heat, getting the gun too hot. So, yeah, I think it really makes a big difference for making those barrels last longer. Uh, for example, like the six Creedmoors, um, last time I talked with Dustin at JP, he said some guys were getting twenty-five to 3,000 rounds out of a... Uh, out of their barrels so you know part of that's got to be the heat sink. Heat, right yeah you're, you're cooling it down so you're not getting 1800 you're getting that 2500 because you're not getting it as hot yeah yep makes sense so what other parts we got um i like the roller trigger uh one of those things again i was skeptical on when i got my instructor guns john was like try the roller trigger and i'm like ah and he's like i'll tell you what i'll give you one of them with the roller trigger and one of them without send whichever one you want back and it was the flat trigger that went back the uh Armageddon roller trigger. Yeah, I remember Tom when we Tom and I we yeah. talked about that when he was thinking about it. Yep. And and him and I were around uh, the same places quite a bit in his work up to that. Mm-hmm. And he was looking at it as a mechanical fix to a marksmanship problem for yeah. some people. When you had brought in that T twenty four into the shop, well, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very skeptical of it myself. Remember mm-hmm. when we were messing with the trigger? I was like, yeah. ah, no, hell no, I'm not uh-huh. going to do this. And actually shooting it today. Um, I think it's been performing really well, and it's it's kept me conscious on the trigger and what I'm actually doing yeah. with it yeah. versus, okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to focus more on my sights. Now I'm focusing on both the sights and the yep. trigger. So I think it's good fundamentally. Yeah. And to switch back to instructor Brian for a second, I think 90% of the bad stuff that happens, the things that we do wrong as a shooter, happens at the end of your right hand if you're right-handed. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, shooter man. I'm all I'm, I'm I harp yeah. on it all the time. And and it's that hand. It's not the rest of the body. Yes. Most things that happen wrong. So the and awareness it's on the trigger. A lot of it. Oh yeah. Don't get absolutely. They don't realize how much you're torquing on the grip. Yeah. You're pulling your trigger sideways, left, right, and that's really what the roller trigger does. Is it really mitigates a certain percentage of the left, right that we're putting on our trigger. True. Yeah. Cool. So. Um, I think you got a silent capture in there too, as well, don't you? <laughs> Of course. <laughs> How do you build an AR these days without a silent capture? What a is it a heavier one? Is it the lighter one? Which one is it? Um, don't quote me on this, but I think this is standard mass. Okay. Um, it does have and the. I think uh, they're on generation three. Uh, Getting there, but somewhere in there. I yeah, think. it's like in a in a weird position between two and something else. Yeah, and I'm not as up on generations and part numbers and stuff like You're that. You're just like, build me be. a gun, son. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I want the longest barrel I can get. I want a heat sink, please, and a variable mass bolt carrier. And the rest I'll put on my lower. Right. There like, you go. Right, there we go. Um, and I do I do have the side charging handle on that. I really like the side charger. I do too. Big positive. It's out of the way. You're not fighting to get around the scope. Nope. Um, and it's rigid. I mean, it's accurate. You know, that's... Enough and said. it does have a top charger on it, too. Yeah. Because I was messing with that earlier. Yep. Totally forgot about the side charger. Going back to my AR days, I, I was never running a side charger or anything. So I totally skipped over it. I had to do, I had to uh, clean up the gun a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got into charging it. And now going back to it, when you just said that, I was like, why was I not using that side charger? Yep. I think that's something that, again, you have to build into your, your muscle memory, your, muscle your, muscle memory, memory your, yeah. your physical and mental fitness mm-hmm. when you're actually getting behind the guns. Yep. Yeah, and being able to, especially with gloves on and stuff, mm-hmm. being able to get into that thing and just yard on it. And yes. It's... It's gross, man. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
kind of have a love affair with that gun. Don't tell my girlfriend. Hey, that's about it for our second podcast here. Uh, we want to thank everybody, Brian, Whalen, uh, Dan, for coming in and talking with us. Uh, Mike, for helping out and bringing us out. I mean, a lot of people, fun. I had a good stage over at one. One, I cleaned up. Oh, yeah, you cleaned house over there. I cleaned house on one. Um, that We did that custom trouse bag, made a huge difference in barricades. I Barricades are higher or taller than I am on a lot of this, and so Mike had troused. Uh, T-R-A-U-S-T, make me a custom long bag. So it's like 18 inches long, but only 9 inches wide. And that helps me bridge that gap, and, and it worked. Uh, it was my best barricade run in, in a long time. There. I think Stu at Troust is uh, he's one of my favorite gear guys for the simple fact that we were in the shop, you and I, Frank, were in the shop when we were talking, and you were like, well, I need a custom bag. And we put two two bags together measured it and i took a picture of it and i i texted it to him and i was like hey i need a bag like this and then the next day he texted me back and he goes like this and it was that bag it was was done done. yeah it was done and he goes yeah i'll send it to you next week and i'm not saying that all of his stuff is like that it was just one of those hey i need a favor from a friend kind of guy and uh he made it work but if there's something that you need done he can definitely do it for you um the area one that we just went through we had a cold bore we had a uh, incre- 600 yard, and you got to pick your plate size. I picked the second smallest plate, mm-hmm. no problem there. Then you do, we did 600 yards, and then we did six again, and then you do uh, seven, eight, nine, a thousand. Yeah, and the 821 is a small half minute target. You punched that thing. I punched it. Yeah. Freaking, yeah. You yeah. punched that thing, and got I yourself see it. I was five points right it. off the bat. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, and then we had a barricade stage where you're going to barricade. Uh, you got four positions on the right side. You shoot right-handed, and then four positions on the left side. And then you shoot left-handed. That's new now. We used to only do two and two, didn't we? Mm, uh, no, we were we were doing four, uh, four and four. But two from two positions. This time it's four positions. Four it? positions. Yeah. So it was good, and and it's it's longer. I was done. I had forty seconds left, and I was done with the barricade because uh, it's slower here than. But it's great because you can practice. It takes your time. Time management really helps. Positional shooting is really what it's yeah, focusing you make on. Your money, man, and, and I'm practicing. You know that this is here to practice. So definitely great time. Appreciate everybody listening. Make sure you follow the Everyday Sniper. Uh, go on there and follow it. Uh, Podbean has an app. Majority of everybody's listening to this on the app. When I look at the stats, everybody's using the app, and I think that just goes right through your phone into your car, back and forth to work. Listen, to Everyday Sniper. Yep. Mike, thank you. Thank you, Frank, and thank you guys for listening. Again, if there's anything else that we can cover for you, we do have a lot of episodes planned, and we just uh, got some information today that we got some some folks from SHOT Show really high up that that want to talk to us. And We're going to do a SHOT Show, uh, probably daily wrap-up at SHOT. Yep. So we'll have some people for SHOT Show and stuff like that, and Mike and I will make sure we bust out some of this stuff for SHOT. Yep, and it probably won't be as long as this one, but it'll give you some information what direction we're taking. So. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Sniper. Thank you.